This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. News, talk, traffic. Good afternoon to you. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas. Mary how are you today? I think we should start a dog show. A dog show. Well, you know, as if you don't have enough on your plate at Transitions Life Care. If you're up for it, I'm, I'm game as well. Man. Yeah, I think we can switch aging matters to, I don't know, something. I don't know. I don't know. I have canine five. Matters. Canine matters. Five dogs right now. Was, oh, my gosh. We're maxing out here, but I have a new foster puppy, which thankfully puppies go quick, and he's already got a adoption pending, but boy chaos sleep i don't know good thing we're talking about independent living today because probably need to check me in (laughs) (laughs) we may just have to do that well uh, godspeed to you on your your quest as always for your uh, dog fostering duties outside of what you do at transitions life care so uh you're amazing i don't know how you do it but yes we are going to be talking about independent living and we are very pleased to welcome to the show we've got michael gall and michael is the sales manager at Trio Senior Living. Hey, Michael, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely my pleasure. Uh, Looking forward to spending the time with you guys today. Yeah, senior living options seem endless lately. I I think there's always a new place popping up, and it's such a in high need. You know, I was talking to uh, a family the other day, and they were telling me about a wait list that they're on to get in somewhere. And it just seems like we can continue hearing about these things, especially after COVID. Um, So I'm glad we're having this conversation today. We want to talk a little bit about independent living. So, Michael, when we say independent living, what level of care is really involved for residents at an independent living facility and um, talk to us about some of the differences of the other levels of care. So generally speaking, uh, when we talk about independent living, there generally is no care provided by the community. Um, Better communities will offer some supportive services either through relationships that they have with companies in the community or sometimes they'll even have uh, office space within their community we're like a uh, full-service therapy company or a private-duty home health care company may actually have space in the community and be able to offer their services conveniently to residents should they need them. But independent living really covers a, a broad spectrum of things. That could be anything from a 55-plus modular community to a community that offers maybe both independent and assisted living and memory care all under one roof. There's a lot of different options there. Gotcha. So talk to us a little more. I want to dive into, you you touched on a little bit, but partners that you have in independent living um, facilities or residents, what kind of partners do you have that you partner with? Is it things like therapy or, um, you know, primary care? What additional support is at uh, the communities and uh, for the residents that live there? Well, and again, what may be offered at uh, what are classified as independent living communities, particularly senior communities, really varies. And it's purely a business decision. It's not necessarily uh, good, better, best, although depending on what a family may be looking for and needing, um, that may be something that they look for. Oftentimes, you would find one of two scenarios, either 
that the independent living community has strong relationships with uh, one or more full service therapy firms that um, will accept the various insurances that are provided under Medicare um, and also some uh, affiliations and or relationships with both private duty and medical home health care. And those are two different services. Some communities actually will provide space within their community to have those services available. And usually that's not an exclusive kind of an offering. It's always the resident's choice, or it certainly should be who they want to partner with. But many times communities are finding that their new residents are moving to them from out of town or even out of state. And so having connections with those kind of services would be important. The therapy firms would provide things like occupational or speech or physical therapy um, right in the community um, so that uh, residents don't need to leave the location. The home health could be on the private duty side, things with helping folks to get dressed or to bathe, um, maybe help them run some errands to on the medical side, actually overseeing maybe medication management or uh, wound care, any number of things that could actually take place in an independent living. And this is where sometimes folks get confused about communities and assume that it's assisted living. And the thing that I always like to encourage people to think about is that whatever you could do in your home, that's what you could do in an independent living community because that's what you choose to be your home. That's really helpful. Can you talk to us about the staff involved at an independent living facility? What hours can a family or a resident expect to reach someone on site, and how often uh, do the staff check on residents? <laughs> you used an interesting word there. What can they expect? Uh, <laughs> we we had a phrase that I that I had with my kids when they were growing up, and it was called no expectations, no disappointment. <laughs> um, whether or not you can or cannot expect a certain type or hour frequency for staff is a very important question for uh, prospective residents or families to ask when they're looking at an independent living option. And it will vary from having staff there during normal business hours to actually having some staff maybe in the building 24 hours a day to respond to maybe an emergency or answer questions, sometimes to schedule transportation, what have you. It's not a given, nor it's a requirement. Um, that would be something that will really vary. In terms of the staff that's needed, um, in an independent living community, it's good to look at them like an apartment complex that offers a lot of extra amenities. So when you go to an apartment complex, you don't normally have certainly medical staff on hand. You may not have a 24-hour maintenance person just sitting in his office. And sometimes those are things that people do expect but need to understand just how the operation functions. Mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a really good point and something that we hear about and 
and our world at Transitions are people in independent living facilities looking for a little more, um, you know, when is the right time to move up in levels of care or add on additional partners, like my grandfather, for example, is is at an independent living facility, and um, we bring in private duty aid services to help provide that extra nursing care that he needs sure. to get to the appropriate level of care in addition to the caregiving services that we provide as a family. So um, it's always it's nice to be able to keep him in something like an independent living because, like you said, the amenities are, are lovely. He is someone who's by himself, and so being able to um, have scheduled activities and, and things to do are, are great in keeping him from being socially isolated. So can you talk to us a little bit about what other amenities you can expect at an independent living facility um, like yours? So at better communities, at a minimum, you should expect that there would be a fairly robust dining program. You know, at least two, maybe three meals are included in their monthly fee. There should be housekeeping. There should be some scheduled transportation for things like doctor's appointments and personal shopping. Uh, those would be minimums that people really could expect and probably should. Beyond that, then, different communities will choose to enhance some of those types of things or expand on them. You know, dining programs will vary from almost like a cafeteria style where it's always buffet and you go through the line and get your food and enjoy your meal with your uh, fellow community members to a restaurant style offering where the dining periods are much longer and there's a wide variety of selections daily from a regular menu. Uh, or communities that will offer that type of a dining fare are able to give a better quality food because the plates are essentially prepared for each person that comes in. And it helps to remove that feeling, if you will, that I'm in a facility. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it feels more like you know, this is where my apartment is, but I went down to the restaurant mm-hmm. as opposed to I went to the cafeteria. Um, what the industry certainly is finding um, is that the current wave, if you will, of prospective residents are looking for more of that type of an experience than a facility. Um, people continue, and I understand, to want to stay at home as long as they possibly can. Mm -hmm. And then when they make a decision to move someplace, in their mind, often the deciding factor is, I can no longer function safely or comfortably at home, so I'm gonna go to an independent living community because I'm still independent. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, because they can't function on their own in their own house, they may have missed enjoying many independent living communities. They may be knocking on the door of actually needing some assistance, Mm -hmm. and that's why they're now making that decision. What I have found over the last 12, 15 years is that um, retirement individuals that choose an independent living lifestyle so they don't have to keep up their single-family home, someone's doing most of the cooking, certainly the cleaning. If they want to take advantage of transportation, they can. 
actually remain independent for a much longer period of time and sometimes live the rest of their life that way and never need any kind of assistance because they removed many of the hazards that were when they were isolated by themselves in a single family home. Yeah, it's a decision that you should put some planning into rather than, you know, just waiting till the occasion where you're right, you kind of skip that step and need more of an assisted living level of care. We're speaking with Michael Gall. Michael is the sales manager at Trio Senior Living, and we're talking all about independent living, and we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be back with more. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with your hosts, Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. If you want to learn more about Transitions Life Care, head on over to Transitions Life Care. TransitionsLifeCare.org. There's plenty of information there, resources for you available. Also information about employment. If you're looking for a career change, that's a wonderful opportunity for you. Or if you want to volunteer, plenty of information and opportunities for you at TransitionsLifeCare.org. I'm Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas, and our guest on the line is Michael Gall. And Michael is the sales manager at Trio Senior Living. And today we're talking all about independent living. And Mary, just before the break, Michael mentioned something important, and that's about, um, you know, kind of how independent living can help you stay in that phase of life longer uh, if you plan and prepare for it. And one of the important things that he mentioned was transportation. Yeah, I think that's a, a great amenity to go circle back to and something that my grandpa has definitely taken advantage of. Michael, talk to us a little bit. What what kind of transportation? We know this is so important, getting to appointments, getting groceries if you're living independently still, things like that. Talk to us about transportation amenities at independent living facilities. Well, again, and I, I'm going to say just classify them as the better senior living communities. Mm-hmm. Uh, they should have a vehicle that would be wheelchair accessible or maybe even power chair accessible. The fact that someone maybe needs that type of device to be continue to be mobile does not mean they're not independent, but it can certainly restrict the amount of like public transportation that might be available or you kind of hard to just call a cab if you're in a wheelchair. So having a vehicle at the community that actually has a lift that can accommodate that I think would be very important. Again, transportation then will cover a wide variety of offerings. Some communities will be limited to a bus or van of that sort. Others may also have uh, small SUVs that are easy to get in and out of. They might have a concierge town car available, uh, you know, when folks need it. Keep in mind that the more of these types of amenities that are offered and available, somebody needs to pay for. So that, that does work into the price. Um, one of the things that we have found has been a great benefit is partnering with one of the pay for hire companies. 
to arrange for transportation after hours or on the weekend as residents may need it on an individual basis. We actually schedule the driver to come to the community, pick a resident up. We know who they're leaving with, what destination they're going to, and then we schedule the pickup. So we know who has picked the resident up and approximately what time they should return. And we have found many families have told us they really appreciate that little bit of extra oversight, kind of a peace of mind, sense of security, but still really provides transportation at a very affordable price whenever residents may need it. That's wonderful. That's a, a huge benefit and something that we've definitely taken advantage of um, for, for my grandfather. Um, to make things more comfortable, you're talking about how these are kind of like an apartment style living and independent living. Can you bring, well, first of all, can you bring your own pets? Um, and then can you, can you bring your own furniture? Can you decorate? Is it something you can make feel real homey, especially for those who are moving and having maybe a hard time adjusting to a big move out of a forever home um, and getting um, acclimated to the, this new style of living? Um, how can you um, make it your own? So uh, most communities do not offer their apartments furnished, um, mm -hmm. and I think that's an important option. You bring your own furniture, you hang pictures, and you make it feel like home because mm -hmm. that's what it's definitely becoming. Um, I would think that most communities are pet-friendly. Mm -hmm. Generally, they'll have some restriction on size of uh, dogs or cats, and you know that's primarily for safety reason um, and then for the ease of care so that it's an animal that the resident can safely and comfortable uh, continue to care for. Uh, most communities recognize that uh, pets, particularly if folks have had them for any length of time, are a real important part of, uh, of their joy and happiness and even their welfare. So you should be able to expect that, but it's an important question to ask. There may be additional fees to have a pet or certain requirements or restrictions, so you'd certainly want to look into that. You mentioned about downsizing um, as people make a move. Was mm -hmm. there anything in particular you're looking at there? I was just thinking through, like, uh, you know, tips for people that you may have since you've been in this industry and you've spoken with many caregivers for someone that is in the planning stages of making a move. If there's anything that you can suggest as they start to think through um, why they're considering a move to independent, independent living um, or if there's anything that they should keep in the back of their head while touring facilities. Well, you you're certainly right that there almost always um, is the situation where someone is going to need to downsize or they're not going to bring or be able mm -hmm. to bring everything that they currently have in their home uh, to their new apartment style living. A couple of things that uh, are always helpful for people to think about or if they are caregivers or family members that are helping someone make those decisions are one, what are two, three, half dozen items that are deeply personal mm -hmm. uh, that you could easily take with you? Mm -hmm. um, then on the flip side, if you haven't used it for six months, go ahead and leave it there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, chances are uh, you probably don't need it. That can help do a lot of the downsizing just with those two things. Mm -hmm. There are companies uh, in most communities that actually specialize in helping seniors 
to make that kind of a transition. They can come in and sometimes even have some difficult conversations about how to choose. You can't take 15 pieces of furniture, so which are the three most important? Um, and those people do a tremendous job. And then they can also help to set up the new apartment so that looks and feels much like the primary living areas that the resident was coming from. And that can really help with a smooth transition. That's helpful tips. One last question for you as we wrap things up. What is included in the cost of independent living care? And when you're thinking about these facilities, does long-term care insurance cover any of the cost? Or can you seek any other additional assistance for living expenses? That's a great question. Uh, Again, as we think about it in the senior living industry, there really is not a care component that is provided by communities in independent living. Uh, Newer long-term care policies, and I say newer policies have been sold in the last 10 years or less, are almost strictly benefits that are paid to the policyholder and those benefits are triggered when they're not able to do usually two of what are referred to as activities of daily living. And if those kind of things are going on in their life, then those benefits can come to them and they can use that money as they see fit. There's a misconception about long-term care insurance in that while it is age-related and and price-like health care insurance and many of the top companies require you to be at least 55 years old. I know my policy, if I was sliding into second base in the senior league and broke my ankle, Mm -hmm. my long-term care policy is going to go into effect Mm -hmm. because I'm going to need help transferring and maybe even help getting dressed. (laughs) And so it's not always in really bad health situations that will trigger those costs. Policies that are 15 years or older are often facility-specific policies. In other words, Mm -hmm. they might still have the same trigger for the benefits, but they require the individual to be living either in an assisted living or a skilled nursing facility. So it would be important for people, if they have long-term care insurance, to get with their insurance agent and find out just exactly what their policy is like. There are also some programs for qualified veteran. One program in particular called the aid Mm -hmm. and attendance benefit. Mm -hmm. Um, The requirements are not particularly stringent. And with independent living communities that kind of offer an all-inclusive package, in other words, for one monthly fee, their meals, their housekeeping, their transportation, their utilities are all one price. They're not sold a la carte. Many people are able to qualify for aid and attendance benefits and use those at an independent living community. There are organizations like Patriot Angels that specialize just in helping people find out if they qualify and help them get through the process. Mm -hmm. And uh, definitely worth looking into. It can be a a substantial amount of monthly benefit, again, that's paid directly to a veteran or a qualifying spouse. Excellent. Michael, we're uh, up against a break here, but before we run, I want to give you a chance to let everyone know, how can they find more information about TRIO Senior Living? 
simply go to our website at trio, that's T-R-E-E-O, Raleigh.com, and you'll see primarily everything that we have to offer as well as a short virtual tour, and we would love to have folks stop by and visit us. Wonderful. That's T-R-E-E-O, Raleigh. Dot com. Find more information about Trio Senior Living. We've been speaking with Michael Gall. He's the sales manager there at Trio Senior Living. And Michael, thank you so much for helping us have a, a better perspective on independent living. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me on board. And thank you, Mary, for all that you do in the community and all that your company does for so many people. Thank you. Mary does all, all the great work. So <laughs> as much thanks as we can point in her direction, I think that is deserved. we got to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. If you have questions for the show, you can email agingmatters at transitionslifecare.org. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Good afternoon to you. I'm Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas. We are very, very excited to talk to our next guest. And she's she's on the other side of the microphone now. She is this is a blast from the past, the transitions, life care, the aging matters, multiverse is in full effect. We've got Nicole Cleggett on the line. She is now the Director of Community Development and Caregiver Support at Duke. She's got one of those big fancy titles now. Nicole, welcome back to the show. How are you? I am great. I'm so glad to be here. Nicole, talk to us. Where where have you been? How are you doing? What are you, What is your new role at Duke? Tell us a little bit about what's going on in your life. Sure. Well, I'm back from a recent trip from Mars. I'm kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, am, <laughs> I am doing very well. Um, yeah, so I've been over here for almost two years now, and have my hand in a, a few different pies at Duke, um, working with um, Duke Home Care and Hospice, actually doing uh, some fundraising and development for them. I also do uh, marketing and communications work for Duke Home Care and Hospice, but then also um, help to develop the Duke Caregiver Support Program, which we launched uh, in February of, le- of this year. So it's been going on for uh, a few months now. and. Um, are really busy uh, getting the uh, Duke Caregiver Community events rolling. So super excited to kind of build that body of work within a health system. It's definitely different than doing it in community-based care. Uh, and we are um, really happy to serve the people in our community that need support. That is awesome. You have a caregiver event coming up. Tell us more about it. Yes, yes. So we have the first ever in-person Duke Caregiver Community event coming up on October 28th. So this is the first time that I've been involved with an in-person event since 2019. So we're, we're trying to, you know, come to the other side of COVID while we know, um, you know, obviously COVID is still with us. We're all trying to learn, well, how do we live with COVID, right? And how do we 
put things into place to make things safe and still give people options to be virtually participate if, if that makes them comfortable. So we did just hold um, a virtual national event on September 20th, with folk, which folks can still access if they're interested, but have dipped our toes in the water to hold an in-person event on October 28th at the Sheraton Imperial. That is wonderful. So what's the schedule like? What can attendees expect and different topics that you're going through at the event? Yeah, so we are um, doing a a full-day event. Um, So what you would normally expect where you'll see a number of different educational sessions. We have 84 exhibitors and sponsors. But we put into uh, effect a few different things that – I think uh, folks will find really interesting. Uh, We have brought in a portrait of dementia exhibit, which Mm -hmm. has uh, photographs of individuals that were taken all around the United States to really change the look and feel and the stigma around dementia. I think a lot of people make assumptions when you think of somebody who has dementia, they're an 85-year-old person, a woman typically who's living in a maybe a nursing home. But the reality of it is that people can get dementia even at very young ages. The youngest uh, portrait is actually of an individual who is 29 years old oh, wow. and the oldest is 100. So that's really exciting. So we are we actually are the first stop on this gallery visit uh, around the country. So we're bringing that. Um, we're also doing a Duke Well Wellness Clinic because we know caregivers often don't do a great job of caring for themselves. And, you know, coming out of COVID, I think a lot of us in general, you know, kind of avoided going to doctors unless we really, really had to. So there's going to be the ability for folks to get some checks on how they're doing physically. And we'll even be doing some just depression screens if folks are feeling like their mental health is is really suffering as a result of their caregiving role. And we'll be able to connect them to resources. Um, we're also going to have a, a really interesting space. We're creating a demonstration area called a safe space. And because we know, and I know you know this too, Mary, um, you know, the, the most common place for older adults to have a fall is in their bathroom. Mm-hmm. And so we have been working with physical therapists and occupational therapists. Uh, we're working with a group called Hope Renovations. And we are creating a before and after of a bathroom space. So what you might typically encounter when you enter in an older adult home or a person with a chronic illness of what you see when you walk in. And then what are some simple modifications in the after that we can do to actually make that space safer? And so we're going to kind of show people those things versus just tell them and really give them some ideas on what they can do to make that space safe for their loved ones so that they can live at home longer. Wow, this sounds like a really interactive conference, lots of ways for people to engage with other caregivers and with um, attendees and vendors of the that are attending the conference as well. Um, I love the um, kind of virtual, the, the live setup of the bathroom. That's such a great um, opportunity for, for our caregivers. I, that's something, like you said, that I deal with my grandfather. You know, he, that's one of the scariest things for us. It's, it's getting him from his chair to the bathroom and what happens next and, and and, and getting yeah. him back to the chair, um, but also mm-hmm. navigating like the rug on the floor in the bathroom. And mm-hmm. with this walker, it's it's a scary, um, mm-hmm. scary little transition there. So that's that's awesome. Yeah. My grand my grandfather, too, had yeah, actually when I was caregiving for him in my home, that is the only place he ever had a fall was in the bathroom. And part oh. of it was he didn't really want his granddaughter assisting him in the bathroom. And <laughs> exactly. I knew 
if I was, and I understand, obviously, I understand that. Yes. But I also knew that he was going to have a fall at some point, and he mm-hmm. did. And, you know, luckily he was okay. He had a huge bruise across his back. But, yeah, so hopefully this will help people give, you know, and give them some insight on what they can do to make it more safe. That is great. So what is the cost to all this? Is there a cost for caregivers um, that are attending? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, obviously this is, um, you know, we're trying to make this a gift between all the community organizers, which are Alzheimer's Association, the Triangle J Council of Governments, the Dementia Alliance of North Carolina, and Duke Health. We're trying to make this as much as possible a gift to the community, but it is a a very, very expensive uh, venture to put on. So we do have a nominal fee that we are charging uh, attendees, which is $10. Um, to attend. And, you know, that includes everything that you're going to experience that day, including lunch. Oh, well, you can't get lunch for that cheap outside of a conference. (laughs) Right, 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 right. Yeah. (laughs) That is great. So tell us a little bit more about the caregiver support program at Duke as well. I want to touch on that because there's some great benefits to the things you all are doing in the community. I want to make, make sure that all of our listeners know about that. Sure, sure. So our caregiver support program is open to anyone in the community, so you don't have to be a Duke Health patient uh, at all. And really, uh, the the point behind it is to really connect uh, family caregivers with different types of resources that exist in the community. So whether it is a support group, or maybe you need somebody to go to your home to help your mom get her hair done because it's just a taxing effort for her to get to the hairdresser. Or maybe you need a traveling podiatrist. Or maybe you want, you're thinking about the future and you're thinking, well, gee, you know, what does the future look like when my loved one has a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease, for example? And so you're starting to think about, you know, what are some of the long-term care options? So lots of different things like that, um, connecting people to other educational um, organizations, to disease organizations, to organizations like Transitions Life Care, of course. And so, you know, all of the different things that really are at our fingertips on our community, we've taken a lot of time to vet and make sure that they are uh, organizations of excellence and to make sure that they can handle the needs of, of the loved one that we're trying to assist. That is wonderful. And Nicole, if folks want to find more information about attending the Duke Caregiver Community event or want to find more information about the Caregiver Support Program, where do they go? So to find information about the Duke Caregiver Community event, you go to Duke caregivercommunityevent.org and for the support pro- program it's the duke caregiver community uh, excuse me duke caregiver support program.org but the the purpose of today is really to get people to know about the event so um, either of those locations can help you get to where you need to go and we look forward to seeing you there excellent duke caregiver community event.org did i get that right you sure did. Excellent. Duke Caregiver Community Event.org is where you want to go if you want to attend the event happening on October 28th, a wonderful in person event for you to get access to a bunch of resources and hopefully help you along the way on your caregiving journey. Nicole Cleggett, Director of Community Development and Caregiver Support at Duke. Nicole, it was so great having you on the program again. We really appreciate your time, and it was just so nice to talk to you again. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for inviting me. 
It was our pleasure. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll have more right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. And Mary, we are going to have a, a conversation on our own mm-hmm. about technology. And this is important because when we think about caregiving and ways to make that happen and hopefully make it a lot easier, technology can really help in that regard. Definitely. It's something my dad and I have been talking a lot about lately for my grandfather and for my uncles and how, um, you know, caregiving can be stressful and it can be a lot. And um, most recently, my grandfather, his computer broke and it felt like the whole world crumbled and he started to call us way more. Uh, We noticed that the the calls started going up and then we realized the problem was his computer was not working. Um, So it's kind of a a balance and, (laughs) and getting back over there quickly to make sure the computer is working. Um, But it's important to think about how you can use technology in your advantage as a caregiver. Um, Some things that I've seen recently that are are very interesting tools and and ways that they can help out. First of all, GPS. Did you know you can wear like GPS? I feel like we're getting tracked everywhere now. Um, (laughs) But you can actually attach GPS trackers to clothing or on a wrist um, that will tell a caregiver a senior's exact location, which is super helpful if they're still aging in place at their home uh, or at an independent living facility and maybe not yet in memory care and maybe dealing with um, dementia or other cognitive decline. Um, it's something that can use to be set to alert caregivers uh, via email, phone, or text uh, when a loved one goes out of a certain geographic area, which is really helpful in these in these moments of trying to figure out, you know, if there's a crisis or things going on and you can't get in touch with somebody to be able to log in and see where they're at. Um, Another thing that I have heard about, which has been very helpful for some, are there's all these apps and great um, software out there for medication reminders, uh, MedMinder, TabSafe, things like this can be used to set reminders for medications or even alert a caregiver if a senior has forgotten to take their medication. It also will set up reminders so if someone's taking their medication, hey, remember to take this with food. You need to eat this with a meal. Um, You're taking this at the wrong time. Uh, There's all these great apps and things out there now for medication reminders, which is really uh, awesome tool to, to think about when caring for someone. Also, uh, in you know, my chart and Epic and all these systems exist, but there's also uh, tracking and apps out there for organizing all of your appointments at one in one place or all of your health records in one place, all of your insurance information in one place. Because I, I, if you're like me, when we got to the hospital once with my grandfather, they're like, where's your medication list? And it's like, oh boy, where? <laughs> I don't know. Um, we didn't grab that on the way out of the house. We weren't thinking about that. And it's also three pages long and it could be outdated and it could be, I mean, you 
you just don't know. Like, might as well just bring the whole bag of medication with you. But with some of these tools that exist, like Health Vault um, or Mayo Health Manager or some of these uh, apps and things that are out there, you can have a single location to store and organize health information and prepare for emergencies. So you don't land in this situation in the emergency room trying to think through all of the medications that someone may be on, which can be... Uh, pretty stressful. But some things to think about when helping to decide if you need a tool or if a tool will be beneficial. Does it simplify your life? If it makes it work for more uh, so that you can spend more time, quality time with someone, um, definitely something that you should consider. Is it helpful? You know, we get caught up in the day-to-day of life and look for things to make your life easier. Is it user-friendly? Like I said, you want to make sure that your loved one is also able to use it or log in if, if they need to. So, you know, creating something or, or starting it with a tool that's really clunky is not a great idea, or else you're going to get a million phone calls like we did uh, when the computer went down. Uh, is it expensive? Obviously, is it safe? Um, making sure that you do a little bit of vetting, that the tools you're using are safe, your HIPAA information is private, not shared, things like that. So make sure you do a little bit of research before signing up for anything. And then also, does it come well-recommended? You can Google anything these days, and word of mouth is really important. Ask your healthcare professionals or your family or those caregivers around you that you know of um, and see if they're using any other tools. But I think that it's... It could make your life a lot easier. Um, I know even Alexa, you know, I, this morning I'm like, Alexa, play the news. Um, and even installing Alexa, and you can now you can log into other people's Alexas if they're on the same network or all these things that are out there. You can log in and check on someone, um, which is something my dad's setting up. We're going to get we're going to get all creepy here. <laughs> Grandpa, you're not in your chair. <laughs> Where are you? Um, but I think it's uh, those are important things, especially for someone who may not be very mobile like my grandpa grandfather and um, just making sure that he's not fallen or things like that. And we just want to be careful and safe in, yeah. in emergencies. That's that's exactly right. And those are uh, some really, really great tools. And as you said, make sure you do your research. Uh, make sure that you're using a reputable company and one that's going to be around for a while. The, mm-hmm. you, you don't want to uh, get used to a, a tool or an app or something and then suddenly it, it disappears or it's mm-hmm. no longer supported and um, the support factor is also key making sure that if you do need help or assistance you can't figure something out or something has gone wrong make sure that you do have that level of support there to make sure everything's going right because mm-hmm. as you've discussed these tools can really be a game changer when it comes to delivering certain aspects of care and being a caregiver. So well done, Mary. That was a a fine (laughs) list, and we'll we'll have to come back to that at some point. We are just about out of time. Don't forget, if you want to learn more about Transitions Life Care, head on over to transitionslifecare.org. Plenty of information and resources there available to you. And don't forget, if you want to catch up on episodes of Aging Matters, go to WPTF.com, click on the podcast button. From there, you'll find Aging Matters and the full archive of shows that we've done. And don't forget, you can follow Transitions Life Care on social media as well to keep up with what's going on with Aging Matters. That'll do it for us today. On behalf of Mary Lucas, I'm Jason Kong, thanking you so much for listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Have a wonderful day. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.